Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about pars, fractures, and athletes. We answer the question, or we discuss, do we really pay that much attention to limitations in hip internal rotation? And we give some pros and cons for the new kind of like online hybrid method for PT school. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We are up in Boston, Massachusetts, champion PT and performance, MikeScaduto.com. Oh, wait, I can always call it your name, Mike Scaduto. His name is Mike Scaduto. Yeah. Scaduto. And he has a website called MikeScaduto.com. You're like, Dave, so we don't post-edit these videos enough, but so Dave, like, adds the sound effects. Dan Pope, Fitness Pain-Free, Dave Tilly, Shift Movement Science, Lenny McCreen, LennyMcCreen.com. Yeah, you got to do that after we say Lenny McCreen. You go, All right, we do that for now. Let's start the episode. Or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> awesome. We're here. We have two uh, fantastical. <laughs> what I'm gonna make up some whimsical. words. Too. Delicious. Some <laughs> some whimsical Delicious. physical therapy <laughs> students here. We have. Um, <laughs> um, we gonna start with Woody. What are you gonna start Woody. with Woody this time? Sorry. We have Brooks Calvin Klein, also known as Woody. Reach That's for the sky. <laughs> it's a sound effect machine. <laughs> What's that called? Is there a snake in your boot? There's a snake in my <laughs> Brooks is not Brooks is not doing it. Brooks hates me. Brooks, Brooks Clyde from UNLV, uh, and we have uh, Buzz Lightyear, right? Johnny LaRouf is on fire from uh, uh, Clarkson University, somewhere in New York. Perfect, fantastic. Take it away, boys. What do we have for questions today? I get up. First up, Mike from Chicago. Hi, Mike and team. I have a 15-year-old high school freshman who plays football, basketball, and baseball. During basketball, he was diagnosed with a partial stress fracture of the pars interarticularis of L5. He was put into a hard back brace for six weeks to be followed with six weeks of PT. What should we expect as part of the PT? Is six weeks of PT what you typically see for a stress fracture and are patients normally released for full activity when done? All right, so 15-year-old? 15-year-old high school freshman. So 15-year-old uh, pars fracture, six weeks in a, in a brace, I almost said cast. Uh, six weeks in a brace, uh, and then physical therapy. Dave, I don't know. This is kind of your wheelhouse. Yeah. What do you, what, how does prognostically? How does that sound to you? Six and six. Is that does that give you uh, an idea that the physician may be thinking it's mild, moderate, severe, anything? Mm-hmm. Just so I'm clear, it's six weeks brace, six weeks PT. Is that what yeah. it? Correct. Okay. So yeah, I think um, I mean obviously I treat a lot of gymnasts for pars fractures. However. That work has given me a lot more uh, like hockey players and softball players, lately basketball players. And I think that I'm seeing a, a pretty similar parallel in the first three months. Um, so I think that the just as with all surgeries, right, the physician's conservative or non-conservative is based on their preferences. So like people, I've had people get braced for four weeks, six weeks, three months, four months. It really depends on the preference and it also depends on the severity of the um, fracture. So if someone who's 
very proactive and as soon as their back started to get sore and they got screened and went to the doctor, that just happened with an athlete last week, four weeks in the brace, just because it's like a stress reaction, just started to actually fracture the parts versus, you know, someone who's trying to be a hero and play through their season, which was another athlete that we had. She was in a, a brace for a full three months. It was like no exceptions, right? And I think that has to do with the amount of um, slippage uh, forward of the vertebral body because obviously neural issues. So I think it's really going to depend on the athlete, their position, um, you know, their goals, how long they've had pain. But um, the three-month timeline typically has to do with the, the bony healing itself. Um, they'll do a PET scan, a single scan PET scan or something else, and based on pain, they'll rescan them in three months if they're still painful. But usually people heal within three months in terms of the pathological fracture. So I think it's it's normal. I will say that um, the, the PT prescription for these types of injuries I think is a little misguided. I think, one, they usually are overly aggressive in how many times per week they need to be seen. Sometimes like you need to be seen three times a week, you know, for the for the first four weeks. And I think that's like unfortunately it's a little aggressive because there's not too much you can do with them. They're healing. You can clear up shoulder and hip stuff. But I also think that I'd rather go less frequently and longer duration because these athletes often get really left behind in the advanced strength conditioning. So I think they get back to like pain-free back and their hips and shoulders a little bit more mobile and then they're like, all right, good luck with sports. And the athlete that I was just talking about went to go swing her bat the first time and nobody had done advanced strength conditioning and she, you know, really hurt herself. She didn't refracture, but she really like banged herself up. So I think, you know, that's kind of my thoughts, I guess so that summed it up. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. a heck of a summary. <laughs> this, this often happens. That answer brought to you by Starbucks. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, fantastic answer, obviously, but like, um, I, you know, I, I, the other issue, though, is you, in those six weeks, Yes, there's things like, you know, Dave kind of said shoulder and hip and stuff like that, but like, look, there's probably a reason why you got here. You're probably hyperextending your back somehow. In rotary sports like baseball, you're probably, maybe your hips are tight and you're over, you know, rotating your back or something like that. Like, So in those six weeks in PT, you got to, you know, potentially identify any movement restrictions, mobility concerns, something that may be influencing extra stress on the back. Maybe it's poor anterior core control and they're getting excessive extension, those types of things. So those six weeks are super important, but as Dave said, the real work probably starts when, when it's after. So is it realistic, I guess, to kind of come back to answer questions? Is it realistic to be back in 12 weeks? Like, yeah, if it's mild, mm. it certainly could be back in, in that, that program if it's mild. But if it's significant, then the scans are probably going to not be good mm. and you'll probably not be allowed to play. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Good. What's next? Buzz, you up? Buzz it up, Buzz. Dr. Man. Alex from Long Island. How concerned are you with restoring hip internal rotation, or do you attribute a loss of range of motion to differences in bony anatomy and structure? Do you find that a lack of hip internal rotation increases injury risk? All right, hip internal rotation. This is probably a good one for, for Dan. Uh, maybe Dan would take this one a little bit here, and then maybe Mike, you can you can chat maybe about the golf swing or something. That's something that Mike's good at here. But hip internal rotation, if they're limited, do we work on it, and is that limitation even an issue? Yeah, I guess it really depends on the activity that people are trying to get back to, you know? I think the concern is that I see people that try to go into a very deep squat, and then when people are trying to go into a very deep squat, if they have, let's say, a cam deformity, that might change the amount of internal rotation range of motion you have, decrease the ability to squat with the toes straight ahead, and that's gonna make it hard to do things like Olympic weightlifting, so we see a ton of that. And a lot of times, that reduction in range of motion could be attributed to a cam deformity, you know? I know there's been some research that shows that if you do have limited internal rotation that correlates pretty highly to having a cam. I just read a study the other day that showed the opposite. There was no 
So it's kind of hard to say. I think there probably well, are. There, there was no relationship between internal rotation and a deformity. Yeah. And so people could be tight without a cam deformity. Yeah, Got for it. sure. Yeah. yeah, which totally makes it. The cam deformity is, is that's secondary. That's, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean you have an anatomical alignment issue. But anyway, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's interesting, though. Yeah. I think the concern comes when people are limited with um, range of motion in the bottom of deep squat, and that's coming from a bony deformity, and then people trying to gain that range of motion back when really it just might be jamming up against bone, bony anatomy and maybe even making the problem worse. Right. So I would say it's challenging for us to screen that, but things like Craig's test, we do have an x-ray available. People have a history of a lot of pinching in front of the hip. Um, I wouldn't continue pushing that if it continues to hurt. Um, I'm just careful with it, and I don't try to improve that internal rotation range of motion aggressively. If people are squatting appropriately, they have the right depth, their technique looks good, they're reaching their goals, they're not having pain. I'm not saying you need to increase your range of motion in your hip, otherwise you're going to hurt in the future. I don't think that's... That yeah, doesn't necessarily correlate. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? I mean, does, is the hip like that kind of thing? Is, is If you're limited in hip internal rotation, is it because a muscle's tight? I don't know. The end feel seems pretty bony to me, and so I don't really... It's always, right? Right. It just feels like this firm, like, end point. And if it was a shoulder, I wouldn't crank on the shoulder to try to improve that motion. So I use the same principle for the hips. So I just work on maximizing soft tissue mobility. So glutes, adductors, low back, try to get that feeling a little better, maybe moving a little better, so to speak, and then just strengthen those areas. But I don't know. I'm not going to... You know, crank. I see. I've been seeing stuff on on social media. People cranking on hips, trying to improve uh, internal rotation. I'm just like, man, that's. I feel like that we're going down the wrong road with that one. Where I think we're doing more harm than good with those people. We're, I, I feel like the pendulum is swinging here, and it's probably yeah. swinging in a bad direction. Yeah. That we're doing too much hip mobility. Yeah. You know, like Lenny said. I mean, you go online now. Everybody's doing hip mobility drills. Everybody's getting the hip to end range of motion and trying to get more motion, right. jamming it, which really osteokinematically, orthokinematically, really makes no sense. Yeah. Right, especially in a hip joint like this. Like you certainly. It's that's a challenging thing. You're getting them all the way to the end of bony alignment, and then trying to jam it into more. So you're actively pushing them past their probably their their passive restraints. It's not going to end well, I think, in the long run. I think the pendulum's going to shift back a little bit. We're definitely over stretching that. But Mike, any difference in golf, or what do you see? I mean, uh, it, I guess like everything you guys touched on, completely agree with. Uh, in the golf swing, you definitely definitely need hip internal rotation some amount. Um, especially on the lead side as you come through impact and into follow through it's super important to be able to rotate over your front leg um, and that's internal rotation of the hip um, so that's done in a weight bearing position so it, for me I think it, like, we usually test like uh, hip internal rotation in 90 degrees of flexion open chain I think it's important to assess and close chain in more of a, a golf uh, golf posture uh, there's some research that shows like golfers self-selected driver stance tends to give them the most hip internal rotation so they have the most available range of motion in the position so whatever degree of hip flexion that is people tend to be able to find that um, and over the course of a round they tend to stand up and come into more relative hip extension and then they begin to have less available hip hip internal range of motion um, and that's been shown to be correlated with hip pain like low back pain in the golf swing but it's really just changing that amount of available hip range of motion and that's usually from some kind of fatigue um, as it gets later in the round they get tired tend to stand up a little bit more so i tend to look a little more big picture on that um kind of see well it sounds uh, like like in a golfer too maybe you have an older individual maybe they do have some just tightness from, yeah. from being in there but i, I th- it, i've said that group would probably benefit from just some some you know stretching self myofascial release type stuff and that would help them but 
I feel like the pendulum is definitely swinging to towards we're doing way too much. Get it? You know. I'm gonna say something real quick. I don't want to wait a point too much. Oh, swing! So yeah, I get. No, I didn't. I didn't get it. <laughs> I know we already spent a lot of time on this, but one of the things you guys really taught me is that I like the sleeper stretch. You have someone who's throwing constantly and they have a irritated shoulder and rotator cuff. Last thing we want to do is put them in a position that's potentially going to make them more irritated. I think the same thing is happening when you see a lot of Olympic lifting athletes, powerlifters, you see a lot of CrossFit athletes. What they constantly tell me all the time is like, yeah, the front of my hips are always tight. They're tight, 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 which is similar to the same thing. I stretch into this position. I feel tightness in the front of my shoulder. Is that really tightness? I don't know. And part of it is that if you're stretching to more internal rotation, you might just be irritating something that's already irritated. So maybe there are better interventions for an already aggravated hip, just yeah. like the shoulder. So I, think, I guess to summarize, I would say we, we really don't emphasize that a ton, right? I mean, if you have some significant issues, like, yeah, sure, we'll definitely address that. But I would say more more so than not, we're probably not, right? We don't emphasize that as much as Instagram does, right? Maybe we'll <laughs> leave it at that. So we got one more? One is that, more. Is that three? Good. Brooks, what do you got, Woody? Paul from the Bronx. Hi Mike, I am a traditional student looking to start DPT school next year. I was wondering what your thoughts on online hybrid DPT schools were. There seems to be a few big name research institutions who have started this the past few years and I'm seriously considering this option. What are your thoughts? So we started talking about this online hybrid PT schools and doing this for athletic training too and we kind of talked about that because we have some past students that have gone through programs like that. I don't know, what do you guys think? But maybe we'll briefly go through this one. What are the negatives of that? You know, it's remember online hybrid. Let's assume that they're doing. They're, they're, obviously, they have clinicals, but they're also doing their hands-on. I think they they go there and do hands-on and taking the class online. What's our Mike? I think one of the biggest drawbacks for me. I mean, I, I mean, I recently graduated um, from Northeastern, and, and being just in an environment with my classmates, kind of problem solving and, and like learning from them and collaborating, and then keeping in touch with them after graduation, and kind of seeing where they're working and bouncing ideas off them and kind of have a communication back and forth. So I think it's the relationship that you build in PT school with your classmates, and that may be lacking in the hybrid yeah. model. That makes sense. Even just, like you said, the problem-solving, the studying together concept, it's actually a good call. You guys, you guys go to Snell Library a lot? No, we did, we did just, uh, we got together recently for, <laughs> for a big game, and we, we all hung out and, and kind of caught up. But yeah, we studied at, at Snell. Mike was looking for a new job. I like it. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Well, I think there's probably going to be some pros. I guess I'll start with some pros now that uh, Mike did a bit of the con stuff. I agree with Mike for sure. Uh, the one thing I will say is I'm a big uh, self-learner. I love learning on my own time, yeah, me learning too. when I want to. Me too. Um, and that's a big thing for me. And, you know, obviously it's nice to have a good schedule if you need it and go to class at these times. But the other piece is that let's say you're busy, you don't have the finances in order to, to make it to a big institution. Um, it's going to be a little bit easier potentially for you to do something that has some flexibility, some ability to do some stuff on your own. Um, and potentially it's going to be cheaper. And to be honest, it's so expensive with physical therapy school anymore that uh, I think it's a very viable option for a lot of individuals. Yeah, and you can work a little you bit too. You maintain yeah. a full-time job. Yeah, you could, you could, yeah, you could definitely do full-time. That sounds awful. But you, <laughs> yeah, probably, sounds yeah, you probably could. So there, that's actually two good ones right there. So like Dan's more like of the you know introverted uh, learner, right, where he, he wants to learn on his time and by himself. And I would agree I'm like that. I, I think I would do the same thing. Mike's the social butterfly, right, that, uh, that needs... Uh, that needs other people. So <laughs> needs other people telling them how, how uh, or not telling them uh, to discuss like how to, you know, like problem solve through something like that. And I can actually see that. I feel like some of the subjects that I went through in school were definitely somewhere I preferred to be in a group because maybe I just struggled with grasping it or something like that. But then Dan, so 
Well, t- I mean, it sounds like there's pros and cons out there. I don't think we're going to be able to give you the answer. But I, I think the biggest take home maybe from us right now is that we don't think it's a bad idea. There's just pros and cons. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the future and that's what we start doing more and more of. So I think it's going to come down to where you do your clinicals and you get good clinicals to get your hands-on skills. And you do the book smarts with stuff like your statistics class, right? And like your, your research class. Like that's, you don't need to be in a classroom for that. So awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate all the great questions. Uh, good ones as usual. Thanks so much. Uh, go to MikeRound.com, click on that podcast link, and you can ask us questions online. Be sure to rate and review, subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRound.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRunnell.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.